Welcome to the Lawyerist Podcast with Sam Glover and Aaron Street. Each week, Lawyerist brings you advice and interviews to help you build a more successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. And now, here are Sam and Aaron. Hi, I'm Sam Glover. And I'm Aaron Street. And this week, I am calling in from the Lawyernomics Conference in Las Vegas. This is episode 174 of the Lawyerist podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today, we're talking with David Sparks about how lawyers can get more from their iPhones. But first, a special treat. Today's podcast is brought to you by LawPay, Spotlight Branding, and New Law Business Model. We appreciate their support, and we'll tell you more about them later in the show. So a few weeks ago, in episode 169, we had our friend Patrick Pallas on the show to talk about some legal ethics changes that he proposed at a summit he hosted at ABA Tech Show. And this week at Lawyernomics, he hosted a second version of that summit. And in part, uh, one of the focuses of this week's summit was to launch a new project called datadrivenethics.org, which is a new project from our friend Aaron Gerstensang and Megan Zabier. And I am sitting with Aaron here to tell us more about her new project. Awesome. Hi. Hey, Erin. How are you? I'm great. I'm happy to be here. So tell us more about datadrivenethics.org. Or do I just say datadriven ethics and leave off the .org unless I'm trying to point people to the website? I, I think you can do either. <laughs> it will probably work. Cool. So tell us more about it. I'm really excited to share. So this sort of came out of the first summit that Patrick hosted, where we had just amazing, incredible people in the room, including you know, deans of law schools, uh, regulators, we had a Supreme Court justice on the phone, all talking about where the legal profession is going and all expressing frustration with uh, regulation that really feels outdated. And what the theme that kept on coming up over and over again was this desire for more information about what is happening currently in the legal market to drive better decision-making. And actually, Jane Reardon was one of the people in the room, and she spoke out about a conversation she had been in in a tribunal with Supreme Court justices of her state. And while they were talking about regulation and reform, there was very little data in the room to rely on when making those decisions. And actually, uh, her example that she gave was she happened to have the CLIO legal transport. Um, and that's, if you're not familiar, this is a great report that CLIO produces annually about what's happening in the legal space, and in particular in the small law firm and solo law firm space. That report was warmly um, and gratefully welcomed by the Supreme Court justices. While that is a great tool and part of the conversation, a little bit it's heartbreaking at the same time that we as professional rulemakers, because on some level that is what we are as lawyers, uh, have access to so little data about what's happening in the legal market that one report from one relatively small technology company is what is being produced and used to make these really big and important decisions. So leaving that meeting, me and Megan decided that it would be great if we could collect and consolidate the data about what's happening in today's world. So with that, we launched the Data Driven Ethics Project. And what we've done is we've borrowed from the technology and innovation space a methodology for solving problems and trying to bring that into the legal space. And we're going to apply the Lean Startup Method, which is an iterative process, which basically means we learn as we go, to solving this problem and collecting the data and with the hope of using it to create an MCP of what the rules could look like, not necessarily for them to be immediately adopted, but to really help 
drive that conversation. And found that based on real data about what's really going on in the legal community. Exactly. So that we can know what's happening. You know, lawyers love to live in precedent. So uh, we love to look backwards and see what, what's happened historically and make decisions based upon what has always been the case. And we do that when it comes to admitting scientific evidence into court, uh, even when that scientific evidence is very outdated and has been abandoned by current science, because we, we so depend on precedent that we will say, well, other courts have always admitted it, so we will continue admitting that evidence into court. And that can clearly, while relying on precedent, can be a very good way for establishing stability. It can also become toxic. And that's what's happened in the evidence, in the scientific evidence arena in some examples. But in particular, when it comes to reform, that seems to be what's happening because we're not really relying on any data about what's happening in today's world. And we're just relying on precedent that was set in 1983 when the rules were first drafted. So wouldn't it be great if we could get data and we could collect it and organize it in a way that informed the conversation and made these conversations better and produce better rules when you're in that room with the Supreme Court justices who are trying to initiate and make good reform happen. So if listeners are interested in helping, you can join the conversation and offer to help gather some of the data and contribute. And you can do all of that at datadrivenethics.org. Thanks so much for the update, Aaron. Thanks, Sam. So now we've got a brief conversation with Richard James from Automated Business Results, and then we'll jump into my conversation with David. Hi, I'm Richard James, and I work with like-minded entrepreneurial attorneys who want to build a better practice using systems so they can have a firm that supports their lifestyle rather than completely undermining their lifestyle. Hi, Richard. Thanks for being with us today. Oh, thanks for having me, Sam. So you help lawyers build a client lifecycle system based on data with systems. And to illustrate that, you mentioned what I think is a cool project that lawyers can do with unconverted leads. And I'd love to have you walk us through what that project is so that our listeners can use it to both learn about the importance of data and systems and maybe get some new clients. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to do that for you today. So if you think about a law firm, uh, there's something called the perfect client lifecycle, which means this is the way that we measure how a lead enters the firm and then goes all the way through the firm and comes outside as a referring client, a satisfied referring client. And inside of that lifecycle, we measure the number of leads that are generated, the number of appointments that are set, the number of appointments that are set that show, the number of people that show that retain the firm, the number of people that retain the firm that pay their bill in full, and then the number of people that pay their bill who refer clients to. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And then inside of that, we're really today going to pay attention to one little conversion, the number of people who show up to their appointment as compared to the number of people who hire the firm. And there's three really simple steps to accomplish that goal. Would you like me to dive into that for you? Sure. What's step one? Well, step one is just good old-fashioned rudimentary data harvesting. So some folks have really intense, great computer systems, and some folks just use pen and paper. Regardless of how you go about harvesting your data about the new initial consultation, whether you get it from your computer or pen and paper, just go harvest all of the people that you've met with over the past 12 months that didn't retain the firm. That's step number one. Step number two is that we want to use the good old fashioned telephone. Pick up the phone and call them. Now here's a vital point. It should not be the attorney that picks up the phone and calls them. And the reason for that is attorneys are most likely interested in having a conversation about the law and wants to give advice for lots of good reasons. But that leads us to step number three. 
the goal is to set an appointment. So all we want to do is have the data of all of the people that we met with over the last year that didn't hire the firm, have someone in your office beside you. And if you don't have any staff, your mom, your sister, your brother, your cousin, it doesn't matter. Have somebody pick up the phone and call the unconverted lead, have a goal of setting an appointment to come back into the office and do a case review. What's going to happen? Do you have a favorite excuse you use for why they should come back into the office? Well, typically you don't need an excuse because what's happened is they said no to them at the consultation, but they didn't mean no necessarily. They really typically meant no, not right now. Something else was going on for them. So just calling in to check up with them to see what's going on in their world since their visit with you is usually enough to move somebody who's kind of done nothing to take the next step. Hmm. Now, the bad news is, is that you're going to hear all the people who went and hired your competition, right? That, that's the bad news. They, they wanted to hire somebody. They didn't even really decide that they didn't want to hire you. But at some point, they made a decision. They were ready to hire a firm. And the other firm just happened to be in front of them at that time. That's mm. going to sting a little bit. But what you're going to find is just by picking up the phone and calling these folks, there's a whole bunch of people who didn't hire the firm. They wanted to hire somebody. They just didn't take action. And they're going to hire you. And again, we're looking for one client in the next seven days. Now, this should be an ongoing system that we run. But right now, we're just looking to go back to the old data of the people who didn't retain the firm, pick up the phone, call them and set an appointment. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so you'll learn why people didn't hire you. Um, you'll learn a lot about how much money you're leaving on the table, I suppose, from clients who you didn't follow up with. And hey, new business. Yeah. And that's really the ultimate goal. And, and ultimately what we want is a system that's repeatable, right? So from this point forward, we just want to use the telephone as a tool to communicate with all of our unconverted leads at all stages of our perfect client lifecycle. But this is the first step, starting to generate business right now, figuring out why they didn't hire you and just really getting confident with the fact that this system works. So if you'd like more tips or you want to learn more about the rest of the system, key performance indicators, and more, you can visit therichardjames.com slash lawyerist. That's therichardjames.com slash lawyerist. And you can get the Attorney's Guide to Personal and Financial Freedom. That's a physical book and an audio book on CD that Richard's company will mail to you. Thanks so much for being with us today, Richard. Oh, Sam, it was a pleasure. Thanks for letting me share. Hi, everybody. I'm David Sparks. I am a business attorney. This December, it will be 25 years that I've been a lawyer, and I'm also a nerd, so I like to talk about technology, and I'm here today to talk about the iPhone. I was going to say, you have this interesting thing where you are a small firm business lawyer, but you have this other side where you are sort of a Mac podcaster and writer and teacher, and that's huge too. Yeah, it's, it's really weird, Sam, because uh, I lead a dual life. You know, most lawyers, <laughs> you know, really, I mean, it, the law is a, is a, it's a practice, it's a profession that can take all of your time. Mm -hmm. And I've made the decision to kind of split it a bit. And it, it's, it's cost me along the way, you know, like, for instance, I used to be a hotshot litigator. I don't do that anymore. I'm a largely transactional business attorney these days. And that allows me to kind of control how much time I spend on that, giving me a little more time on the side to, to work on things like the iPhone field guide. Well, and today we get to talk about the iPhone field guide and, and kind of cross it over and look at the part where working with devices intersects with what lawyers do. So I guess this is the time to tell people you did just release the iPhone field guide, which is essentially a comprehensive guide to everything that somebody would need to know about using an iPhone 
and people can find it at maxsparky.com. Say more about the field guide. I'm sure my summary right there missed a little bit. I think you got the the gist of it. I, I wanted to write a book that just could take it. Anybody, whether you're a power user or somebody who's just getting one, could pick it up and get some good advice on how to get more out of the device, how to understand how it works better and get more use out of it. Because uh, you know, the thing about these iPhones is there's more computing power in there than we had to send the men to the moon. It's crazy <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what you're carrying in your pocket. And, and a lawyer, I mean, our business is information in a lot of ways. And this is a weapon for lawyers. I mean, I, I feel like lawyers that understand the technology and can use it to their advantage uh, have a material advantage over uh, other lawyers that don't. So uh, it's something that I think you really have an obligation to figure out if you're an attorney. And I, I'm going to say just a couple more things about it because I think it's a really great guide. One of the neat things that you do is you actually walk people through every single thing. You demo every app you mention. You demonstrate everything. There are videos included in the. It's an iBook. And it's you've formatted it to fit the iPhone screen as best you can. And it includes all kinds of walkthroughs and stuff. So like it's very much holding someone's hand. So if you're feeling nervous about your if you're the kind of person who says I'm not tech savvy, this is the book for you. And if you're the kind of person who says you are, there's still a lot for you in there. So, yeah, the nice thing about these iBooks is you can embed video in it. And this book has over two hours of video. It's like the equivalent of the Avengers film. And <laughs> if it was all about iPhone apps and being a nerd, that's what I made for you. So you yeah, can't no Avengers, offense, but basically. a really boring Avengers film by comparison. Yeah. <laughs> but it, I actually think the end of my book is better, but that's just me. <laughs> that's no awesome. spoilers. But the, yeah, so so you got that. But it's, it's sixty five thousand words, forty four chapters, just to get the kind of the basic yeah. four hundred and fifty pages. Sounds kind of overwhelming, but it's done in a real fun way. And like the chapters are broken down real simple. Like there's a chapter on security, which I think every lawyer should read, and we're going to talk about some of that today on the well, show. Well, let's jump in. I mean, let's yeah. talk about what are the things that you think, and we're just going to march through them. What are the things that you think lawyers should know in order to make better use of their iPhones. So hit me with the first one. Number one is lock down the security. And I don't care if you're using an iPhone, Android phone, what, you know, an old Palm Pilot, whatever. Uh, you need security on the device because even if you try not to put any client information on there, client information gets on there. Like if you have email, you've got client information on your device. And the companies, particularly Apple, have done a very good job of making it possible for a user to lock it down. Um, the, the, the story I heard from Apple was that the, the mandate back in the Steve Jobs days was we want to make these things so secure that if someone, if someone subpoenas us to get the information, we can't physically give it to them because we've got mm -hmm. it so encrypted. And I think for a lawyer, that is great news. Um, so what do you do? Uh, the first is the biometric. The most recent iPhone, the iPhone 10, has a face ID, which is very good. Uh, but the ones in the years preceding that have the touch ID where you can use your fingerprint. Uh, use that. I mean, uh, don't be silly. Just turn that on because it works really good. And then by using a biometric, which makes it relatively easy for you to unlock your phone, and uh, impossible or near impossible for other people, then you can go ahead and put a real secure password. By default, the iPhone has a six-digit numerical passcode, so, you know, six digits. And um, six integers multiplied times 10 integer per slot really isn't that many. Mm -hmm. And so people can – there are methods to get through. So because you've got biometric and you're a lawyer and you're smart – 
go into the settings and use an alphanumeric password and use one with more than six digits in it, you know, uh, so a word and some combination of letters and numbers, just like you do on the internet. And then you're okay. I know it's a pain in the neck to type that in the occasion that you need to do so, but because you've got biometric, it's not very often. The other thing you can do in those settings is they have a thing in there. It's a button you just throw that says, if people try to get in and fail to 10 times, wipe the phone. You know, it's kind of the James Bond mission impossible, you know, thing. I love that part. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish the phone would like, you just have a little puff of smoke come out of it when that happened, but that doesn't happen. I will say but, yeah. I've caught my kids trying combinations and I'm like, stop, because <laughs> yeah. you will wipe my phone. And they're like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, now it's even more appealing. Well, one of the things Apple does is they set a timer. You know, like a, a kid couldn't do it in like five seconds. They could right. just down. But so the, the point is for the bad guys, the bad guys who get your phone, they're not going to, after 10 attempts, it's just going to wipe itself. And if you have a real password with a biometric and that, that switch flipped, you are way more secure. In fact, your phone is probably more secure than, and I don't want to say, I, I would almost say it's probably more secure than your server at your office because Apple makes such a priority out of encrypting that stuff. And I don't think it's probably worth going into a tangent about biometrics. I'll just say that if your threat model includes specific reasons why biometric identification isn't secure enough for you, then don't use it. Yeah. But for everybody else, it's fine. I think, for and most I think that's all we need to say about that. <laughs> yeah, it's like someone at Apple told me, if you have an evil twin, don't yeah. use Face ID. You know? right. But either way, I, I think for most attorneys, that is a, that's only a good thing. So lock it down. That's the first thing. And I guess it's good to know, I, I normally tell people this too, they want to know how to encrypt their devices. By putting a passcode or um, you know Touch ID, Face ID on your iPhone, you have encrypted the data on that phone as well, which is awesome. Yeah. So easy peasy. Yeah. I, I'm really happy. Uh, you know, Apple does some things I really like, some things I really don't like. Um, I guess I'm just of the generation that likes privacy, and I think it's really great that they, they're they're in essence trying to lock themselves out of the phone. Oh, absolutely! I feel so much better having an iPhone actually because of that. So number one was lockdown security. What's number two? Notifications. Uh, for lawyers, notifications can be a blessing or a curse. And curse mostly. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's a Sam. That's a fixable problem, and, yeah. and that's what I'd like everybody listening to think about. This is so Apple has made the notifications. If you go into the settings and then the notifications tab on your iPhone, you can see you have super granular control of every app. Like if you want an app to put a badge on the screen but not vibrate, you can do that. Or uh, for instance, with email, I have email notifications turned on for VIPs only. Apple has this thing called VIPs where you can say somebody's super important, like the uh, a witness in your case or mm -hmm. your partner or one of your key associates or whatever. So, so you get a notification if that person emails you, but you don't get a notification every time someone tries to sell you Viagra. <laughs> and as a result, I get one or two email notifications a day, but when they come through, there are email notifications that I need that I want to see and, and immediately deal with. Um, and that's the that's the the best part of dialing down your notifications. If you just get it down to the stuff you really need, they're very helpful. You know, you, you do want to know sometimes when you get a text message from a key witness, or you do want to know when some bit of information comes in you weren't aware of. But what you don't want to know is the way every app that you install wants to just barf up these notifications to you all day. I mean, you see some people that get like 100 notifications a day. They might as well not get any because you're not going to read it when, you know, the one nugget of gold is buried among 72 other 
irrelevant notifications. And that's a fixable problem. So how long does it take to fix that? I timed myself. I went through, and I have a lot of apps on my phone because, you know, I'm a nerd. Uh, it took me 30 minutes. So hmm. the, the next time you want to watch a sitcom that is, is a dumb sitcom or you're sitting on the bus or whatever, or maybe you're sitting in the back of cattle calls, you know, in a courtroom, mm-hmm. just fix your notifications. And it, it improves the utility of your phone. I just can't understate how much more useful the phone is when the notifications are relevant. Yeah, I, I don't have like a really coherent strategy around notifications, but um, I basically have everything turned off except for things that I actually do want to know about. Like my emails, I, I get the little red dot on, on Gmail, but I don't actually want pop-up notifications. So I have all that stuff turned off. Basically, it's just text messages and direct messages and Slack and Twitter and things like that. Do you have a, like a coherent strategy about things or do you just kind of take them one at a time and ask yourself if you really want to know about this and then how do you want to know about it? My goal is to really get no more than about 10 or 15 notifications mm-hmm. a day. And that's a lot for me. So I'm always looking at like when notifications come in, I look and say, is that something that I that was worthy of a notification to me? And I feel the same way about badges. You know, the badges on the screen, they just defend my my geek sensibilities to see these little red badges on all my mm-hmm. apps. So I, I turn badges off on most of them, but then I leave them on where they count. So like um, I found that I was kind of um, being irresponsible with text messages, you know, text messages come in, sure. but I don't, I don't view them as something where I have to drop everything. It's like email, you know, you, you still have to do the work, right? I mean, you're writing a contract, you're not going to stop and look every time a text message comes in, but then I wasn't really going back and checking them later, which I should do. So I turned the badge on, on the messages app. And now at the end of the day, or when I wake up, if I see a badge on there, I go in there and deal with whatever I didn't see, you know, in the prior 10 hours. And That's what I like too. There's nothing that encourages me to pick up my phone and look at it. Yeah. But when I have my phone unlocked, I'll notice that there's something I might want to look at. Yeah. I mean, just being sane about that stuff uh, is really not that difficult. Number one, it's not that difficult. Number two, it really makes you a lot more efficient. Uh, okay. So clamping down on your notifications and locking down security, uh, what's number three? Uh, another, this is one that it falls on Apple. They added a screen. You know, um, on Android, uh, they have a more active widgets kind of on mm-hmm. the screen, whereas iPhone has always had that traditional grid of apps, which is nice and it's easy to navigate. But sometimes iPhone users want a little bit more information. So Apple added what they called the Today View. And if you just go to your iPhone, you swipe to the right, you'll see this list of, of Today View apps. And they're all customizable. If you scroll to the bottom, you tap the edit button, you can decide what goes there. Like, for instance, on mine, I have the weather there and I use OmniFocus for my task management. So it gives me a list of any tasks that are coming due. And um, it's just a very... Uh, it's, it's just like notifications in the sense that if you dial that in to just the information you you want most, that's a very useful tool. Uh, whereas if you leave it as it is, and it's just a big pile of information, it doesn't really do much mm-hmm. for you. So uh, go through the Today View, customize it for the apps that are most important to you, and you'll find that it's quite useful when you do that. So we need to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, and when we come back, we'll hit on number four. Did you know that attorneys who accept online payments get paid 39% faster on average than those using traditional payment methods? With LawPay, the only payment solution offered through the ABA Advantage program, you can accept client payments online, via email, or in person. No equipment needed. Visit lawpay.com lawyerist to sign up and get your first three months free. Trust the only payment solution developed for attorneys and recommended by 47 state bars. LawPay. 
The legal environment is more competitive than ever, and small law firms are feeling the pinch. With over 1.3 million attorneys in the United States and counting, it can be hard to stand out from the crowd. That's why Spotlight Branding helps lawyers become unforgettable. Spotlight Branding is a different kind of internet marketing company. They don't put their clients on the SEO hamster wheel. They don't ask them to burn thousands of dollars on speculative pay-per-click advertising. Instead, they're focused on the fundamentals of legal marketing that have worked for centuries. They use the internet to build a premium brand for solo and small firm lawyers. They put systems in place to create top-of-mind awareness, allowing their clients to maximize referrals and repeat business. It's the smart way to grow your law firm. Learn more at spotlightbranding.com lawyerist. If you've ever considered doing estate planning but think it's too dry and boring or have been afraid it might not earn you what you need because you have to compete against LegalZoom or the dreaded $1,500 estate plans, check out the website estateplanningrules.com to get a free guide that lays out step-by-step how some lawyers are regularly commanding average fees of four dollars to $5,000 per estate plan, and you'll discover why regular, everyday people are happy to pay well for estate planning services that you'll love to provide. That's estateplanningrules.com, brought to you by New Law Business Model, where you get to love being a lawyer again. Hey, one more thing before we get back to the conversation. If you haven't already taken the small firm scorecard and you are a solo or small firm lawyer, do it now at go.lawyerist.com scorecard. Look, you listen to this podcast, so you must know the practice of law is changing in important ways. And sooner or later, you are going to feel the effects of those changes in your practice if you aren't feeling them already. So what's your plan? If you are like most of the lawyers we've met over the years, even if you understand the trends shaping the past, present, and future of law practice, you probably don't have a plan. You may not even be sure where to start. So that's why we put together the Small Firm Scorecard, to help lawyers understand what they need to do to position their firm to be successful in the future. It's a free self-assessment. 50 questions for small firms, 40 for solos. The questions cover your goals, strategy, systems, marketing, client service model, finances, and people and staffing. It only takes about 10 minutes, and at the end, you'll know exactly what you need to work on based on your own assessment of how you're doing on each item. Like I said, it's free, it takes about 10 minutes, and you'll end up with a to-do list to prepare your firm for the future. So take it now at go.lawyerist.com scorecard. Okay, we're back. So um, you last mentioned the Today View, which is one of those really uh, useful things, although I have to remind myself that it's there. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't think people realize that they can really, I mean, lawyers especially need to, to really dial this stuff in. And that's a powerful tool if you'll just spend a little time. Once again, one sitcom away from making your phone more useful. Absolutely. Uh, so what's next? What's number four on our list of tips? The uh, This is one that uh, it just drives me nuts. Uh, I, one of the jokes, you know, I do the Mac Power Users podcast too. And I, since I went out, I left my firm after like 20 some years and I've been solo for three years. And some days, because my wife uh, is a Disney employee. And so we kind of grew up around Disneyland and we live in Orange County. So some days when I just have a lot of writing to do, I'll take my computer into Disneyland. And I have a couple places where I... I sit and write contracts as a lawyer in Disneyland. <laughs> I think I'm the weirdest, <laughs> weirdest guest in Disneyland. I, this happens like once every two or three weeks. And then I can join my wife for lunch. And it's it's just kind of a fun, you know, it's, it's like sticking it to the man, Sam. When you get yeah. out of the firm, you want to, sometimes you just got to do it. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, <love> <laughs> the, the thing that cracks me up is walking around, because uh, so I'm there quite often, you see people who pay like a hundred bucks to be in Disneyland. And they're like sitting in the bathroom with their phone plugged into the wall, right? right? Yeah. Or, or they're, they're in a store where they found a random plug. And, and you see the same thing in the courthouse where there's these lawyers that are like, like in the middle of a trial and they're having their client meeting at the bench, 
you know, across, you know, from opposing counsel, because that's the only place that they can plug their phone in to charge it. Mm-hmm. So everybody just get on Amazon. There's a company called Anchor, A-N-K-E-R. I don't own stock in them or anything, but I do think they're a good company. And, and you can go wrong, uh, like uh, buying the wrong vendor. Some of these batteries are bad, but get yourself yeah. an external battery. I, I and, find that the ones that I get at like conferences that they hand out are all totally useless. But I have a Mophie yeah. and I bring it to conferences and you know, amusement parks, when I'm going to be using my phone a lot for the day, I'll bring it along and it's fantastic. Yeah. So like anything you can get, if you walk into an Apple store, anything they sell in Apple is going to be reputable. If you go on Amazon, I, I buy the Anchor ones, A-N-K-E-R, because I know it's a reputable company. And I, mm-hmm. I'm i like the Johnny Appleseed of batteries in my family. I'm giving <laughs> them away to the kids. And one, one of my daughter's friends was just going to France for like a month. And, and I, I literally handed him my battery as he's walking out the door because he didn't have one. And then when he got <laughs> back, he told me that was the most valuable thing he had the whole trip. I bet. So, but yeah, when you're staring at your phone a lot, when the display is on a lot, you're going to burn out the battery. Yeah. And you can get these things. Like, they're cheap. Uh, a good one is cheap. I just bought a new one the other day off, off Amazon. It was 30 bucks, and you get a lightning cable. And I put them, Sam, in all of my... I've got two briefcases there's a battery in each one with a cable at all nice. times and so it's just you don't have to think about it they they will hold a charge for a long time so you take it out of the briefcase and i recharge it every three weeks or so hmm. but the um and it it's not even like all the way empty at that point but just have a couple of these things handy and not only will it help you be a better lawyer it'll also be a better spouse dad whatever mom <laughs> you know because if you can low battery juice, related stress <laughs> yeah because I always give them to my kids, and they they say sometimes they're like the most popular person in school because everybody <laughs> knows that they always have juice. You know, the the, the the juice of life for teenagers <laughs> is iPhone battery. That's awesome. All right, no, so number four was external battery. Yeah. Uh, number five. Figure out. Uh, a way so so the iPhone is something in your pocket it's a great communication device uh, but it's not like the computer sitting on your desk mm-hmm. and I think for lawyers in particular this is fraught with peril I mean client sends you an email uh, you want to send a response you want to show them how Johnny on the spot you are but we can't just largely send a very simple email the clients a lot of times ask us questions that we have to explain you know conditions and you know it's just it's not that easy for lawyers to just say yes or no to something without possibly committing malpractice. So I think one of the ways to look at the iPhone is a communication triage device more than a full-on device. So uh, whatever whatever practice area you're in, this may vary. But I think uh, look at this device and say, what can I do on this realistically in terms of communications? And where can I have this device help me just be useful without necessarily responding to all my email? So uh, I've always felt like the iPhone is great for triage. I get emails in, I sort through them, I can delete a lot of them. I flag some emails that I don't answer on the phone. I've got a whole kind of workflow. So when I get back to the computer or the iPad, when I've got a full-size keyboard, I can really deal with the email that needs you know, more thought and processing done. But at the same time, the job is a lot easier because I triage it all on the iPhone. And th- this is just kind of a concept more than a specific tip, but I think it's something you should all be thinking about. Yeah, you know, I, I do that too. It's I, I mostly use my iPhone for triage. I found like the new Gmail app or the old inbox, Google inbox app were really useful because they let you snooze emails. So if there's something I know I want to act on, I can punt it to later. 
Uh, although my workflow is more to like star them uh, or something like that. And then I have a to-do list when I get back. Aaron's even figured out how to triage on his Apple watch so he can just sit there and snooze emails right from his watch and deal with them later. I think that's a really great way to divide and conquer. Do some triage on your phone or your watch and do the real work when you're at a real computer. Makes a lot of sense. I use Apple Mail, but I have so I have an IMAP account, but I use the SaneBox service, um, mm-hmm. which full disclosure is sometimes a sponsor of Mac Power users. But I've been a subscriber since long before that. But it does the same thing. It gives you the ability to defer mail. And um, I, at first I thought that was kind of a joke, but then I really like it. Like as a lawyer, sometimes you get an email that can wait until Monday and you just create a Monday folder and put it in there. And now it's off your mind until then. And that sometimes is the best way to deal with email. Yeah, that's a really good point. So that was kind of the first five. Now I think you're going to uh, dive into maybe some app recommendations as well. So hit number six for us. Yeah, here the first one is just a gem that almost nobody has ever heard of. I haven't. <laughs> so, you know, we're lawyers. We have a lot of information thrown at us. Wouldn't it be nice if sometimes you could have information read to you, whether it was a legal case or a memorandum from an associate or whatever. Um, there's this great app called Voice Dream Reader. And uh, you download the app. You can get custom voices. So you can get like if you want it to be read in a Scottish voice or an English voice <laughs> or whatever. It's got all of them. And then it will tie into like your read it later services if you like those. Um, but it can also take Microsoft Word documents. It can take um, RTF documents, Google documents, PDFs, plain text. So anything that you like if you've got a long drive and yeah, somebody that's has what I was written, immediately thinking of. Yeah, if somebody's written a memo for you that you just need to digest it, you just load it into this app, you put it in your car, and it does a very good job of reading it to you. It doesn't sound like, you know, Mr. Roboto. It, it's a nice human-sounding voice just, you know, reading your, your memos to you. And, I, you know, I got this a couple of years ago, and I just – I never understand why this app didn't take off more because it's so useful for people that have a lot of reading to do. It is expensive. I just noticed it's 15 bucks. Although I I think we have this weird way of valuing apps, um, which really are just software (laughs) that make our lives better on our phones. You know, I have a friend who refuses to ever pay for an app and I'm just like, what? Come on. (laughs) How much would you pay? Maybe that's how much would you pay a college kid to sit in your car and read a memo to you? So let's (laughs) say 15 bucks an hour. Okay. Okay. So now let's say for that same 15 bucks, you've got that for as many hours as you can ever use. You know, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not a tough sell. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I, you know, back in the Palm Pilot days, I had this. Uh, there was a problem with the Palm Pilot operating system where it would occasionally just duplicate your contacts. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you did you have you ever used one, but it was yeah. Weird, but I never had that experience. Lucky. Oh uh, man, just for me, whatever mm-hmm. reason, like about every two or three months, I would just wake up one day and I have twice the number of contacts, and then like it, it was a cascading failure. So if I waited a couple of weeks, then it would, I'd have four. <laughs> if I waited, you know, so if I waited like long enough, I'd have like. 16 copies of every uh, contact and somebody made an app called dedupe that was the name of the app and it was $50 and all it did was go through your contacts and delete the duplicates (laughs) and you know Sam I was so happy to pay that yeah (laughs) you know and now and now we're like wait a second this app is three dollars let me think about this go for it uh number seven let's uh, stick on the theme of voice yeah, uh, the, the the flip side of that is how do you turn your own voice into words? And and lawyers have for a long time been using dictation. You know, uh, I started out with the 
cassette tapes and then I eventually got to digital recorders. Um, and why not have your iPhone do some of that for you? Uh, there's two ways to do that on the iPhone. The first is Siri dictation. It's free and built into every iPhone. And I don't think it's adequate for lawyers. It, it's got a like a 45 or so second timer. Mm-hmm. So when you start dictating after about you know 45 seconds, it just stops. And if you press the button again, it starts like it's a new sentence. So the grammar gets all messed up. One way around that is there's an app called Drafts. I'm going to talk about later. They've got a kind of a fix around that. But the real the real answer, if you want to do serious dictation on your iPhone, is the Dragon product called Dragon Anywhere. So have you ever used this, Sam? Yeah, uh, briefly. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't do a lot of long form dictation, so I don't normally use it, but I, I've tried it and it's awesome. Yeah, it's a lot better. I mean, it's got its problems too, but it, it, it solves two problems that Siri doesn't. The first is it doesn't have a timer, so you can just dictate as long as you want. And, and for lawyers, that's really helpful. And the second thing it's got is it's got a custom dictionary. So if you put client names in there or, you know, whatever jargon that you want to dictate that's not typically in the dictionary, you're going to be fine. Uh, This is another one that's expensive. It's $15 a month, which is, you know, that's like a voice dream reader every month. (laughs) You know, I I talked about this app at the um, at the ABA tech show a few years ago. I gave a presentation and someone came up to me afterwards. I I told everyone, I said, look, I use this app. I have this great workflow on iPad. I know this is a little off topic, but I do a lot of contract reviews. So I open a PDF on two thirds of the screen of an iPad. And then the other third of the screen is, is dragon. And Mm -hmm. so I'll go through with my Apple pencil and I'll highlight and kind of mark up the contract. And then I'll just do a running dictation in dragon while I do it. Oh, cool. And then I can send the text file to the client with a little massage, you know, yeah. it's dictation. And then I send the, the marked up PDF. And then that's always kind of one of the first steps in a, in a contract review for a client. And then we get on the phone and go over it together. It seems like you and, could do uh, something similar when you need an associate to polish up a contract or make changes to a brief or something. It, exactly. I mean, yeah. so I'm doing this stuff all the time. And so I was talking about that at the tech show and somebody came up to me afterwards and he was angry at me. He's like, this app is $15 a month. What do you think? And I'm like, well, I asked the guy, I said, how much do you make? How much you bill an hour, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and, and he says he billed $300 an hour. I said, that's three minutes of your billable time. Yeah. Don't worry about it. You know, it. to have someone sit there and transcribe everything you write. Come on, buddy. You know, <laughs> put it together. So, and, and I'm not saying everybody should go buy it, but if it, try it for a month. You can buy it for a month and see if it up, ups your practice. I mean, if it saves you time. I mean, isn't that what it's all about? So, uh, one of the reasons I don't use Dragon is because I, I love typing. Um, typing makes me as happy as using fountain pens. Good. Um, so, uh, so what's your next recommendation for writing? It's almost like, you know what I'm going to say, Nick. Sam. It is almost like you sent me a list of things. <laughs> <laughs> so my next thing is do some writing with your iPhone because you can, uh, a lot of people don't think about it, but you know, as lawyers, we spend a lot of our time writing. And when I say that you know, Microsoft word has a version that remarkably works on iPhone. Yeah. Apple has their their pages app. But I am not a fan of either one of those for the iPhone. I think the best way to write on the iPhone is just in plain text. And uh, there's a bunch of text editors out there that are just stellar. I, I list a bunch of them in the book, but like Drafts is one, Ulysses is another. There's, there's several good ones. Uh, but the idea is don't think about the fonts and the typography and all that stuff. Just sit down if you want to do some writing 
and write, you know, write a clause of your contract, write a section of the next important letter you have to send. Uh, you can use those dictation tools I just mentioned in the last tip, or you can just pair it with a Bluetooth keyboard. Um, I have a, one of those Microsoft folding keyboards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen them. They're, I've seen them, they're yeah. Really, they're really nicely made. And uh, recently I had a long flight and I got on the flight. I set my iPhone down. I unfolded my keyboard that I pulled out of my pocket and I wrote for about two hours. Hmm. And the guy next to me at the end said, where did you get that keyboard? <laughs> you know, because, you know, airplanes, they're, they've got this running battle against us these days where every time you get on it, it's an inch narrower and an inch closer to the, yeah. to the seat in front of you. Where, I, I can't uh, fit anything on even in the like the Comfort Plus or the I, I've been upgraded to first class once or twice and I can't even fit my laptop on those little tables these days so yes so the last bastion of productivity is an iphone with a text app and a keyboard on an airplane (laughs) that's awesome i like that yeah Uh, we've got time for a few more let's uh let's try and run through the rest of your tips Uh, the other one i thought is really good for lawyers is we're always having bits of information thrown at us and you know it's very hard to remember bits of information our human brains just aren't wired that way Mm -hmm. um I, i forget who said i'm not writing it down to remember it later i'm writing it down to remember it now mm-hmm. uh, but that's a that's <laughs> like a thing that. and so there's a great app that i like for that it's in my dock on my phone it's called drafts they just mm-hmm. came out with version five and the beauty of drafts is when you tap the app it opens it up and it opens a clean document and has a blinking cursor mm-hmm. uh, and as dumb as that sounds it's super useful because you just literally tap the app and then you can start typing a note And so as soon as somebody tells you some bit of information you need, as soon as a witness gives you something you want to add to an outline, whatever it is you want to do, uh, this is a way to get it written down immediately. Uh, You you could also carry a notebook in your pocket. I mean, there's a lot of ways to do this stuff. But if you want to go digital with it, I don't think there's anything faster than drafts. Uh, If you don't want to spend money, um, Apple Notes will work too, but you got to open a new note. And I find that just a little bit of resistance is enough sometimes to get me to not do things. You know, I'll tell you what, I, I have drafts on my phone and every once in a while I take it off and I always put it back on because I love the flexibility it gives me to send information to other things which was kind of what it was originally billed as I think and then that's still a feature that it has but so for example I have this thing set up where I may jot down uh, something a journal entry and I have a little action set up so I just tap a button and it automatically goes to Evernote and if I haven't yet started a journal note for that month it creates a new one and it appends my journal entry with the date and time stamp on it. Uh, I love that about drafts. And I do that for, I think I have one for my blood pressure um, <laughs> and my journal entries. And I have a bunch of little snippets that I keep in there, like, you know, the company address, my home address. It allows me to just grab things quickly. Um, I love drafts. Um, there's a new yeah. version of it out, though, and now he wants to, I think it's an annual subscription now, is the deal? Uh, it's, it's monthly or annual, but the, there's a free version that has yeah. all the features we've talked about. Yeah. But if you want to go deeper down the stack, there's there's more power features. And it's you pay a great app. For the yeah. subscription. But honestly, the free version is good enough um, yeah. for most people. And like another way I use it, because I didn't talk about that, but not only does drafts make it easy to capture the text, then it makes it easy to process it. And like when I used to do more trial work, I had a draft app actions created where I could open drafts, I could dictate or type in a quick note and just push one button and it would text message it out to the paralegal, to the associate attorney and to a couple other people that were involved with the case uh, where I didn't have to go on messages and monkey around with finding the right recipients and, you know, or finding the thread. Uh, you just open drafts, type the message, press one button and it's gone. And when you're we're sitting in a courtroom, that's, yeah. that's golden. The only thing that I run into with drafts, um, which isn't 
it, I guess is a little bit of a complaint is you have to, if you want to work on something that you've written in drafts, you have to get it out of there into something else, which sometimes frustrates me. I wish it would sync up with, you know, a Mac app or something so that I didn't have to pull it out of drafts before I kept working on it. Okay, drafts for Mac would be a really good idea. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> it would be wonderful. And then my last tip I would say is, you know, this iPhone the window to the internet on your iPhone is Safari and there are third party browsers, but honestly you should probably be using Safari because yeah, it's, it's, it, it protects the battery the best and it's the one Apple's always working on. And there's some real power tips to using Safari that people don't realize. If you look at the interface, it looks pretty simple, but my advice is force press on everything, you know, just cause, cause almost everything in the, the Safari app will do something different if you give it a long press. Mm-hmm. And this is, if you have one of the newer iPhones, you there are different levels of pressure that you can deliver, yeah. and the force press is the hardest one. Yeah, press hard. Or mm-hmm. or on the older iPhones, just long press, just press and hold. Gotcha. But there's some great there's some great features in Safari in there that people don't even realize are there, you know, allowing you to navigate between tabs and do all sorts of things. I You know, I got the first iPhone. I, you know, of course, I was in on the first day, and like a couple days later, I was in a hallway outside a courtroom and an attorney was telling me what he thought the law was. And I knew he was wrong. And I opened my iPhone and just did a web search in Safari to to the statute and showed mm-hmm. it to him. And he, uh, <laughs> he had to eat crow, you know, and then he was a nice guy. And I, I kind of teased him about it. But, but I'll never forget the look on his face when he's like, what is that thing? You know, after I just, you know, used it to clobber him over the head with a law. I mean, in, um, a, in a nutshell, that is how it has changed all of our lives is we have all the answers yeah. at our fingertips. Just just figure out how to get there, gang. Thank you so much, David. And for listeners, if these tips have seemed useful to you, you should definitely check out David's book. It is the iPhone field guide at maxsparky.com. Uh, and you've got a whole collection of other field guides to other devices and software and things there. So check that out. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks. And just to clear, the, the direct link to the field guide is uh, maxsparky.com slash iPhone. But if you go to maxsparky.com, you'll see all the books there. Very cool. Thanks so much, David. Thank you. Make sure to catch next week's episode of The Lawyerist Podcast by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast app. And please leave a rating to help other people find our show. You can find the notes for today's episode on lawyerist.com slash podcast. The Lawyerist Podcast is produced with help from Lindsay Calhoun and edited by Paul Fisher. The views expressed by the participants are their own and are not endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you. Oh, 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 o